morning. Uh, for those of you who are new or visiting, my name is Matt Schwartz. I'm the pastor of worship and operations here at Terranova Church. Um, and it's really, it's a unique opportunity for us to gather in this space together in this way. Um, I think it actually is really beautiful to kind of have a more informal setting to be close in together, um, to sing songs of praise. And we really do hear things differently in this space than we do upstairs. And so um, worship was a, a, extremely uh, encouraging um, and enriching to hear all these voices together. Um, so we are doing a, uh, a five-week uh, series on the Psalms. So Summer in the Psalms is something we've done for a few years now. We're taking a break from Hebrews. And then we will finish out the summer with a three-week uh, series on prayer, which uh, we're really excited about. But this morning, we are going to start in the Psalms. And it's kind of funny. After all of the lively worship, I'm going to be preaching on a Psalm of Lament, which I didn't... Madison and I connected on, on, but I think it's this is in my notes, so I but, so I just want to I just want to mention that I think it's really uh, in, uh, powerful that we can be people who are, as John Piper is quoted as saying, sorrowful, and also the Apostle Paul in Second Corinthians, can, we can be sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Right? We don't need to come here having everything together being uh, presentable and with it and have everything make sense and have a good life and we need to depend and believe in a God who pushes us forward and gives us truth to hang on in those moments that we feel like we're completely in the dust as we will hear from King David this morning from Psalm 13 and I wrote this down because Sometimes my brain doesn't work great. But as we were singing, the, the, the hymn, uh, Oh Love That Will Not Let Me Go, great hymn, um, was written by a guy who, there was actually a lot of really horrible things that happened in his life, a lot of really tragic things, one of which is he went blind as a young, as a young person. And he wrote these words, Oh Joy, that seekest me through pain. I cannot close my heart to thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain and feel the promise is not vain, that morn shall tearless be. O cross that lifts up my head, I dare not ask to fly from thee. I lay in dust, life's glory death, life's glory death. And from the ground there blossoms red, life that shall endless be. I'm not sure I need to really preach anymore. I mean, those, that's how we as Christians can endure a life of pain and sorrow and lament and still see that there is truth for us, that there is a path forward. And that there is an objective reality that is bigger than us, that is sovereign over us, and is in charge, and is pulling us forward despite what we are going through. So, we're actually going to learn a little bit about what it means to lament well this morning. So, if you could open up your Bibles to Psalm 13, 
It's six verses, but it really packs a punch. So verses one and two, we're going to look at how we lament well, what it means to lament, what that actually means. And then verses three and four, we're going to look at what it looks like to be in relationship as we lament. And then verses 5 and 6, we're going to look at how we can turn our lament into worship. So let's read this together. It should be on the screen behind me. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take my counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We want to know you better. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would aliven these words. Um, we know that your word is living and active and that we encounter this morning and we commune with a living and breathing God. And so I pray that as we um, enter this time together, help our hearts to receive this word well and help us wherever we are this morning with our laments and our sorrows and our griefs. Would you help take us from that place to loving you and trusting you more. We ask these things in your name. Amen. So lament, this is a psalm of lament, and let me begin by saying that lament is allowed, it's okay. Pain, sorrow, longing, these are all allowed, it's in the Bible. It's okay. But here we say too that let's not make what we feel ultimately where we land. However, we need to acknowledge our emotions and our feelings, because that's what makes us human, right? So what is lament exactly? It's a word we throw around a lot, you've probably heard it. The Google describes it as a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. Okay, and so for, for our purposes this morning, in, in talking about lament within scripture, I would describe lament as expressing our grief and sorrow with God. So lament is not complaint. Lament is not venting. Okay? Complaining or venting would be talking at God about what you're upset about, about your pain and your sorrow. Okay? An example here of lament versus complaint would be um, lamenting to your spouse and expressing to them how you feel emotionally needy and how your needs aren't being met and how you feel like you're being overlooked and how you feel emptiness and sadness and loneliness and expressing your deepest longings to that person. But venting might be like pointing a finger and giving a list of the reasons why your spouse isn't there 
why they lack grace and why they're not a very nice person and why you feel like junk. So lamenting is for, uh, lamenting looks out, okay? Complaining or venting looks in. Have you ever said to somebody, sorry, I just really need to vent about this, right? Like almost every day. So, you know, I'll get home from work and venting about something. Nothing ever bad happens in the office. It's great all the time. Um, but coming home and saying, sorry, I just, I just had to vent. I had to get that off my chest. That's very, that's very me-focused. Lamenting brings us from ourselves and outward. It asks somebody else to help hold your griefs and your sorrows. So the psalmist in this psalm begins with this question that he says four times, how long? Have you ever asked this question to yourself? I'm sure you have. And I don't mean by how long must we wait at this traffic light? How long must the bills wait for a Super Bowl? How long will this commercial break last? I'm not talking about that. I mean... Deep longing for your soul, longing for change, longing for release. And all of us have suffered in some way. Some of us here are suffering from chronic pain, battling cancer. You might have a wayward child or friend or sibling. You may be struggling financially. You may be lonely and need a friend. You may be just overwhelmed with the evil that exists in the world. And I invite you today to ask that question, how long? As we see in the scriptures today, it's allowed. We can ask that question. And before we move too quickly past that question to figuring it out or just numbing ourselves, feel the gravity of it. Suffering doesn't need to be explained away. It doesn't need to be rational. It doesn't need to make sense. It's awful, and it feels awful. And so we ask, how long? How many more days do I need to wake up feeling awful? How many more days do I need to push through this crippling anxiety? How many more days do I need to endure the violence and the corruption of a broken world? How much longer, Lord? Our psalmist expresses these specific things in verses 1 and 2. He talks about being forgotten, not being seen, enemies triumphing over him. He's lamenting and, and taking counsel in his own soul. You know what that feels like to be kind of caught in the spiral of your own, your own self-talk, your own brain? It's difficult. And it spirals us down into deep, dark places. So this is where the psalmist is lamenting, and, and I think a lot of us here can relate to that. This is a shared human experience to lament and to sorrow. So I'm going to give us some homework that can be started here now, maybe during communion or after this during the week. Write that question down somewhere or in your brain. How long? And fill in the blank. How long must I fill in the blank? How long will fill in the blank? And instead of just dismissing your feelings and walking too quickly away and, and avoiding your pain, really come to grips with what you're waiting for, what you're longing for.
like I said, some of us are in long, long seasons of pain or have endured long seasons of pain. And sometimes some of us have grown a little cynical, a little hardened, possibly, maybe not. But that's a common experience. Our feelings are okay, they're real, and they're important. But the beauty on display from this song is we move from lament and it comes into relationship. The psalmist says, how long, O Lord? He's not just talking to himself. He's not just beating his fists at the air. He's talking to the Lord in relationship. He's lamenting to God and in the presence of God. And he speaks, and this speaks to the intimacy of his relationship with God. Listen to the specificity in which he cries to God. Verse 3, consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Do you see that he, he's not saying, God, my life is awful. Everything is terrible. Just make it better already. Now I think... For those of us who know the Psalms know that David also expressed himself in these ways too. Right? But he's, he, in this moment, he's really depending on his relationship with God and asking very specific ways for God to restore him. To, quote, bring light to his eyes. He's poetically asking God to give him the strength that he can't find in, in and of himself. And he's acknowledging that he's weak, that he's needy, that he's vulnerable. He's exposing the frail, frailty of his own pride and his own reputation. That the weak state that he's in might give platform for his enemies to gloat over him. The psalmist openly and specifically laments sorrow to the one who he knows hears him. The God with whom he has a personal relationship. And friends, this is why our Christ-centered relationships, some exist here within this church, many of them do, some outside, but all, in all relationships, we are, we are to serve and to represent Jesus Christ through the spirit that he unifies us with and that lives in us. We need a person, maybe just one person that we can go to in times of suffering and be served by that person. Somebody that will hear your cries. Somebody that you can journey with through your suffering. We all need this. We need shoulders to cry on. We need people to understand the shoes that we're walking in. But ultimately, and as we get from this psalm, ultimately beyond all human relationship, which are essential. You can't go at it alone. You're not supposed to. That's another sermon in and of itself. But... The crux of this here today, the message is that the person of Jesus Christ is our ever and perfect friend. And unlike our human relationships, our relationship with Jesus is so good and so perfect because it's it's perfect. He, unlike our friends, is without sin. And he is eternal. Now it gets even better. Okay? This is preaching to the choir, but I think we need to hear truth again and again and again and again and again. Jesus is also able to sympathize 
with our weakness. He lived a life as we did. He lived a life of sorrow. Hebrews 4, 15-16, which we studied a couple weeks ago, says, For we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. That's good news. Do you ever have do you ever struggle at times to have faith in the person that you're lamenting to? You think they're just not gonna get it. Like they're they're not me, either they're they're not my age or they don't have as many kids as I do, or they don't live where I live or whatever. We we actually give people very little trust. Um, but the beauty of, of Jesus is with him, with his spirit, we can trust in people that are outside of our sphere of understanding to trust that the Holy Spirit can speak through them to speak to our situation. Okay? I think we need to trust people more as we lament and we express sorrow to people. However, let's be reminded that when our friends, because they will fail you, Jesus is perfectly there and knows and understands and has journeyed through. Isaiah 53 calls Jesus the suffering servant. And Jesus on the cross said these very words. See if this sounds familiar to our psalm today. Matthew 27, 46. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Pop quiz. What psalm is he quoting from? Anybody know? Anybody? I heard 22. 22. Ten points to Gryffindor. But yet, Psalm 22, Jesus is using the Psalms of Lament to express himself. Okay? But it sounds a lot like our psalm today as well, doesn't it? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? So Jesus, like us, suffered and he lamented. He gets it. He lived it. And even on the cross, he cried out in lament to his Father. So I want, to, I want to go back to what I said about five minutes ago about our sentence, how long fill in the blank, okay? So what I want us to do now, well, in addition to that, okay, is to really personalize that sentence. How long fill in the blank, really personalize that to Jesus. Pretend he is sitting there right with you as you write it. So write it to him, pour out your heart to him, express it to him. Here's some examples. Jesus, how long must I remain anxious and crippled by the responsibilities of this life? How long until I can find some actual joy in doing your will? I want to find joy in you, but it seems impossible. Anybody there at times? How long, Jesus, do I have to live paycheck to paycheck? I can't seem to get ahead of these car repairs, medical bills. I know that you provide all good things, but it's hard for me to see it. I, I just want to not struggle. Will you meet me here? Okay? I'm not giving any um, specific examples, but just generic stuff. I think we've all found ourselves in these places before. 
So in these prayers, let Jesus hear you. Let Jesus serve you and trust and believe that he gets it. And he knows how it is to suffer even to death. Even to the point of death, as Philippians 2.8 tells us. Even the most horrible suffering we could imagine. Jesus went through it and he can sympathize with us. And if we are there with him with that safe and solid and eternal relationship, we can express our laments within relationship and know that he hears us and know that he loves us. And I have seen it in others and I've seen it in myself that when we depend on Jesus and we let him hold our suffering and our struggles, it draws us out of ourselves and it brings us to worship. O joy that seekest me through pain, I ask thee not to fly from me. I seek the rainbow through the rain and feel the promise is not there, that life shall endless be. This is how we lament well, with true joy waiting for us and here for us through Jesus. So this is the last part. Because from here we're going to worship. And I encourage you, as I'm preaching to myself, just as I'm preaching to you, the suffering we're going through right now here today, we have a God who is objectively loving, who is objectively true, and hears that, and loves us and is pulling us forward. So we move from lament to worship. Remember, worship is this non-stop fire hose of emotion and love and time and energy and focus that sprays all over the place. And worship is when we point it at God correctly. And in our psalm today, David makes the switch here to psalm to verses 5 and 6. And what he doesn't say is, because you have taken away my affliction, I can now trust in your steadfast love. Or, I will sing to the Lord today because you have given me my heart's desire. No, it says in verse 5, it says, but, or nevertheless, I have trusted in your steadfast love. Verses 1 through 4, really quickly. I feel forgotten. Why do you hide from me? I have total snot dripping down my face. I'm so sorry. I'm good. I'm good. I'm really good. Thank you. Thank you. It's getting real in here. Okay. Verses 1 through 4. I feel forgotten. Why do you hide your face? I am deeply depressed. My heart is broken. I want to feel heard. Without you I will die. My enemies see my affliction. They are gloating of me. Nevertheless, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. His situation has not changed as far as we know. The point of the poetry here is that his situation is still dire. It's still sorrowful. Nevertheless, I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. These verses of worship are based both on the past and the present. The past, I have trusted. I know what you've done for me. I know who you are and I will 
rejoice in the present. I will trust in your love, even in my sorrows. I can rejoice in the reality of your salvation. Remember, if we are just venting and we're not lamenting, we stay stuck in ourselves and we're just navel gazers. Alistair Beck, one of my favorite preachers of all time, says this. I'm not going to do the Scottish accent. We must bring our emotions under the jurisdiction of God's character and God's purposes. Feelings are real, but we must apply our minds to the matter. I think that's beautiful. We are given a green light in scriptures to feel and to feel deeply and to mourn and to cry, but we are shown to apply what we know about God to our existing suffering. To apply our feelings to the objectivity of a holy and sovereign God. We have all, and we are all being dealt with bountifully by God. By the sheer fact that the blood of Jesus has established a new and better covenant for us, not confined by the wayward nature of this world, but by the plan of his eternal love, the God the Father brought to us by the humble love of Jesus the Savior. And the eternal life he has secured for us, and in the gift of his abiding spirit. Friends, we are dealt with bountifully. Amen? Amen. We are showered with an overflowing cup of blessing that is not temperamental, that is not subject to the ebbs and the flows of our emotions or our current state. We are secured forever with an eternal security and eternal blessings. So to finish out our prayers that I encourage you to write down, how long, fill in the blank, personalize it to Jesus, and then find a way to communicate the goodness of God. Even in the depth of suffering and some recent suffering that I have witnessed and journeyed through some folks with, there's always, there's always goodness of God anywhere you look. We can always find the goodness of God and worship Him. So we might finish our prayers this way. Jesus, how long must I remain anxious? Crippled by the responsibilities of this life, how long until I can find some actual joy in doing your will? I want to find joy in you, but it seems impossible. Nevertheless, I know that you are the source of joy. I know that you are the source of peace and hope and love, and I know that in you there is love beyond Comprehension, and I'm going to trust in you to be my strength today. I think I almost prayed that prayer yesterday morning. We all need to express ourselves in lament, to find the truth and the goodness of our God, and move forward in confidence in Him. So the promise 
in all of our sufferings as modeled in this psalm and shown in the life of Jesus is that one day all of these sorrows, all of these pains will in fact be eradicated. Will be no more. That Jesus as he went to the cross trusted in the Father's plan and knew the joy that was in front of him. He endured the suffering anyway because he trusted his Father. He lamented in relationship Yet he worshipped and said, Not my will, but yours be done. So hear this. Our laments are not wasted. Our tears aren't worth nothing. If anything, it helps us yearn more and more for eternity with our Savior. It helps put our eyes forward. As Jesus knew the plan of God will prevail. The plan of God will prevail and he will work out all things for good. Don't take my word for it. I'm not just throwing platitudes at you. It's in the scriptures. He will work all things out for good. So, uh, as we close, the band can come back up. Um, Close your eyes or quiet your hearts or find a place that you can let these words just really minister to you. Because I want to end not with my words, but with the truth of the scriptures. Okay? 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 18. I'm going to skip around a little bit, but let these words of truth wash over you. This is the truth of the gospel and the truth of our Savior. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal way to glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Amen, church? Amen.